Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're joined by Drake White. Now, his career began in Nashville in 2010. It has been a slow and steady climb to success in country music, and it all came crashing down in 2019. In August of that year, Drake suffered a stroke on stage. He nearly died. He spent six months rehabilitating just to be able to walk and use his left hand. He has fought, he has battled, and he has made it out on the other side, a man of faith, a man of conviction, a man ready to share his story in the hopes of inspiring others. So please enjoy our conversation with Drake White. Are you home in Nashville for a couple of days, Drake, or are you sort of in between cities right now? Yeah, we're we're in between cities. We're about to well, I'm at home in Nashville and about to blast off to uh, to uh, Starkville, Mississippi, uh, to finish the the last bit of this uh, this tour. Um, so yeah, I, I'm. What is today? Wednesday. So like yeah. Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, I kind of I kind of go do my my thing. I work out and um and then. I'm sitting in the park a lot of my favorite greasy spoon right now and just got through eating a bite. So it's all's good with the world. Nice. That is awesome. And this tour, it began in September and I saw that you had a hometown show uh, back in Hoax Bluff. And so what did that show mean? Did it have a different feel? I know you've been hitting it pretty hard. You've done a lot of cities, but did that one have a different feel to it? Yeah, I mean, your hometown's always going to have the feel. I, I tell people a lot, about hoax bluff and jokingly say it's God's country and, and uh, but not really jokingly, there's a pride that, that it, that comes with being from a town of 4,000 people. It's really pretty. I love it. Um, and it's one of those things where there'd be 10,000 people at the, at the Friday night football games. I mean, it was very Friday night lights esque and um, it was just, it's just a great spot. My parents still live there. My cousins and, and nephews still go to school there and it's, uh, I mean, my mom graduated in 73 and she still knows the football's record, football team's record, you know, <laughs> so it's a good spot. It's a good spot to be. And so that show, yeah, was, was, I think there was about 5,000 or so people there. And it's just, uh, just one of those things. There's a lot of pride that comes with being from the backbone of the, of the country like that, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And you talk about the sports side of growing up in the Friday Night Lights. What did music look like for you, uh, especially in the home and your parents? Was that something you were raised on as well? Yeah, it was always on. There was always something going on. My dad was always rehearsing for a, a solo at church. Um, there was always country music or soul music playing, whether it be something from Muscle Shoals like a like a Ray Charles or Percy Sledge, or it was, um, it was, you know, George Strait or Garth Brooks or any of the country influences. Willie Nelson was a big one, uh, that my uncle introduced me to, but it was, the permission was always given to, to, to be loud, to beat on pots and pans. It was never a shush, shush, like be quiet at the table type of family. It was like, you better speak up and say what you want, or you're not going to get a chance. And, uh, my sister's two and a half years older than me. And my mom is, she was running a, uh, a beauty shop out of our house. And so I was just, when the shampoo line got too long, 
it was like, Hey, entertain these ladies. And, uh, <laughs> so it was a, it was a George, you know, uh, Garth Brooks box set live. It was, I, I just started singing, you know, so that I figured, you know, I figured out how people liked that and, uh, and it made me feel good. So I just, I pursued it right on through Auburn and, and, you know, college and everything else but a lot of church my, my dad my granddad was a preacher my mom was my grandmother was the piano player and my dad's a great singer to this day he's got a cool kind of uh Vince Gill thing going on so it's always been there and it's always been around me so uh, yeah music and so a big family you talk about they still live there. So obviously they were around growing up. Now, is there one family member that really influenced you more than others? Or was it just a whole family thing where everyone was involved? Everyone was definitely involved. But my uh, my uncle, my uncle Ron, uh, he's 82 years old, Vietnam veteran, uh, like instilled this sense of uh, patriotism and uh love of the outdoors my dad always loved the outdoors and and we were always in it and doing it um but it was really um i would shine a light on my uncle ron there just because i was around him and he was kind of a he was kind of a uh renaissance man you know kind of looked like ralph lauren and 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 kind of spoke in the terms of hemingway and stuff like that so it was always kind of like a you know he was a storyteller and still is to this day and uh, he's got a bunch of good stories. And and uh, that was that campfire type uh, revival was was what we did. We, we sat around and played guitars and and made up stories and, and, and sang about them and rhymed. And and uh, Ron was a big part of that. And I was going to ask you about your uncle Ron, because correct me if I'm wrong, but is he quite the dancer when he gets up? Yeah. He's definitely the if if you've been to any of my shows when he's there he's he's gonna be dancing. <laughs> and so your stage performance of jumping around and being very energetic, do you get some of that from him? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just you know it was it was that confidence and that that kind of swagger that he instilled of get you back off the 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 gym brick wall and ask the girl to dance type of mentality <laughs> and uh. He was, uh, my dad's not much of a dancer, but my grandfather was and, and my, and my uncle Ron was. So it's just like, you know, the, 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 uh, the bravery it takes to get up and stand up in front of people and sing. Well, it takes that for the first time. And then once you start kind of breaking that seal, that fear is gone. And when you ask the, the girl that may be a little bit older than you at prom to dance, and then you start dancing with her. Then you realize the whole cheerleading squad's dancing with you. Then you then the fear is gone. And that's the whole thing with life. Like it's too short to, to stand with your back against the gym wall and not ask the girl to dance. And that was his, that was his, uh, his motto, you know, is his carpe diem, you know, <laughs> it's like seize the moment. The day is now it, the time is now go do it. Right. Yeah. And so with how important family was growing up, now that you're doing what you're doing and you're able to bring them into it, into the Opry, the CMA Fest, I saw you took your dad to Mount Rushmore while you were on tour one time. What does it mean to be able to include them in this journey as you're going along? Well, that's, that's everything to me. You know, these guys, they, the, the permission I said earlier of beating on the pots and the pans 
it's I've never had to ask permission to do that. And I've never had to beg for support. It's always been like, no, go do it. And my mom just beamed, you know, it's it's part of it. So to get <clears throat> to to see my grandfather McMeekin before he passed away, my mom's dad, um, get to be announced uh, by Mr. Cody at uh, at the at the, you know, at the Opry. That was one of the crowning moments of like of my career. I'll remember that forever. Him standing up in those pews and him saying, this is Mr. LD McMeekin, Drake's grandfather. He's here. And that was the last time he ever saw me play. So wow. it is, it's those memories that life's made out of. It's those memories that make you really, it doesn't matter how much money or how many people or how many this or that, all the achievements like that are great. Don't get me wrong, but man, I'll always remember LD McMeekin standing up in the Opry and beaming with pride and clicking his dentures together like this, you know, and just smiling at the, you know, 2,500 people that were there that his grand, his grandson was playing the stage that he watched growing up, you know, um, unbelievable. And then the stuff, I mean, we just went to Montana and my mom and dad rented a, uh, uh, cruise America RV and, uh, got it. I'm, I'm a purist at heart, man. Like get in the RV drive behind the bus and and we went and saw yellowstone we went and saw the grand tetons we went and sent old, old faithful went and saw uh, mount rushmore and to see that with your parents they're they're in their 60s now but they're in good shape and everything's rocking that that and your wife you know and to, to take those pictures and have those memories that's that's life that's what life's about you know and within this career i talked to so many musicians who talk about just how quickly it goes and how, because you're always focused on what's next, those things that have passed are sometimes difficult to reminisce about and remember. So within this career for you, is it important to mix that in and always be looking to what's ahead, but never forget what has happened? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Everybody faces this, you know, I'm right. Writing with a bunch of people, Right now, young and old, everybody faces the thing of, you know, we, we are driven people. We're high on the disc chart, high Ds, meaning we're driven and we, we push. And that pushing is what got us where we're at. And I understand that. But I work really hard. And my recent injury of the stroke uh, back in 2019 really put it in perspective of you've got right now, you've got, you know, 1142, you know, this minute right now on this day is all that you're guaranteed the second and everybody kind of might roll their eyes at that at, at 20 or 25 but when you almost die on stage and you go through that it puts that in perspective of the moment is all that matters and that's what i'm trying to do with these shows every single show that moment of the optimistic tour is all that matters right now so get your phones out and record a song i get it you want to you want to take those pictures but it is the moment it's the reason we love kids and golden retrievers they are not worried about tomorrow or yesterday they're in the moment because they they're just slap dab in the moment and that's the way i want to live life you know for the rest of my life not not to diminish a good video but if you're going to sit there with your phone in your hand the whole show and video the whole show are you really gonna post that or watch that no you're not like just enjoy the moment and 
because you're missing so many things when you're stuck to stuck to a computer screen. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned 2019. I do want to talk about that for the listeners. If you wonder what that is about, we will talk about that. But I want to talk about a bit about the lead up as well of this career. And now let's talk about Nashville, getting to Nashville. You're working as a general contractor and basically hustling at night to make a career in country music. So when you arrived in Nashville, did you know that country music you wanted that to be your career? Yeah. Uh, I went to school at Auburn. I did what my mom asked me to do, which was get an, uh, a proper engineering degree. And it was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I mean, it was super hard and I had to devote and focus my time towards that building science program at Auburn. And when I got out, I, I got a job and I'm good at interviewing as you're seeing right now. So I had multiple job offers and I went and I believe you should work hard. You're not working for the man or, or yourself. You're working for the Lord in my mind. Like you're, so you should work like you're working for him every job. So I moved here with a real job with a, I, it, it wasn't even a nine to five. It was a five in the morning till whenever they got finished. <laughs> right. So I, I want to be honest. I hear a lot of country people like I ah, swang hammers and, work my way up and all this stuff when I know that's bull crap to a certain extent, like that's a great story, but like, this is a real, like, this is, I'll be completely honest. I was half-assing both things. I was playing at losers um, with John party from 10 to two and two other buddies. Um, I did that for three or four years and played in front of all kinds of people. And, you know, 2.30 and 3 o'clock a.m. load loadouts out of losers and sleeping in your truck are not conducive to 5 a.m. concrete pours. Right. And it's not that I was sleeping on the job, but let's just say I was sleeping on the job. I was, excuse my language, but I was half-assing both things. I was, I was not riding because I was working. I was dog-tired all day, and I'd play Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays and then catch up in the, on the weekends and, and play throughout the weekend. So I had to fully, de like if anybody's out there listening to this right now, like if you, that was the key to find my passion. If I could have one wish, I would have wished that I would have found my passion. You know, it's how quick can you find that passion? How right. quick can you find that, that thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night? Cause you're thinking about it. And for me, there is no safety net in this. Like, I've been all in since 2010 and that rhymes. So I'm probably going to put it in the song. <laughs> there oh, you man. go. <laughs> it's like, that's what it is. It's, it's when I gave it all, I gave it all it, the, the stars line up and Jeremy Stover, Brett Saliba walk in the bar that I'm playing. And they say, do you want to open up for Willie Nelson? Yeah. You want to <laughs> write some songs? Yeah. You want to publish a deal? Yeah. You want free record deals? No. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And it was when I gave up, there is a ethos out there. There is the energy that when you give up and have no backup plan, things happen. <laughs> and so when things did start to happen, were you ready for it? Were you ready for sort of that rush after you met Jeremy of what was to come? Yeah, because it's not, it's not like I was playing, I mean, 
to steal my buddy Charlie Worsham's line, we have definitely taken the scenic route to stardom. Like, this has been up and down. I've played to 50 people. I've played to 500 people. I've played to 5,000 people. I've played to 40,000 people. And it's like I have went in there and always done what I wanted to do and understood, wanted to understand the business and everything like that. But was it? There was never like, oh, man, and still to this day, I don't consider myself, you know, made it or whatever it is. I do consider I've made it because, I've, I, you know, I'm doing this mm-hmm. as a career and I'm going to continue to do it. But your question is, is, is so funny because the routes are so different for everybody. And you just got to you got to cash in your chips and you got to say that I'm, I'm dedicated to this route because I know there's a great plan. And it's not my plan. It's God's plan. It's and you got to devote yourself and your faith to that. And even when, you know, you get attacked in the middle of the night by the devil that says, like, all your time's run out and all that. No, I'm I'm a musician. I'm a troubadour. I write songs. This is what I do. And I'm tougher. You know, I'm tougher because it took me longer to, to, to achieve what I want to achieve. And it didn't happen quick for me. And it does happen quick for some people. But everybody's got their cross to bear and everybody's got their their struggles. And that's what makes us that's what makes us strong. And I saw one post I found really interesting. It was April 2015. So you were a bit into this journey and you were sitting in a room with Shane McAnally, Josh Osborne and Ross Cooperman. Now, I don't know what their number ones were back then, but as of today, I believe they have about 92 number ones between Ah. them. And so during that time, when you're sitting in a room with guys like that, what are you thinking? Are you nervous or are, do you have that confidence where it's like, I belong here. This is where I'm supposed to be. No, I'm, I'm never nervous. Like it's, it's, it's what I was born to do. Like I, I grew up on my dad's vinyl record collection and I could get in the, my closet where the, the turntable was and I could play uh, Almond Brothers Eat a Peach and I could close my eyes and see seas of people. And I didn't know what that was at the time when I was eight, nine and 10 years old. But it, it slowly started making sense what that was. And that was um, your imagination is God's way of telling you the future. And I've already seen the future. I've already dreamt about this. I've already seen it. And I don't need any validation other than the validation of, you know, of the song and my, and my fans and, and the people, I don't really need my fans valid. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. So they do, they do exactly. I don't really get starstruck. If I met Willie, you know, when I met Willie, it's like, you know, he does exactly what I do. Dolly, she does exactly what I do. Uh, Eric church. He he's had me out on tour with him. Does exactly what I do. There's no, for me, there's no reason to be starstruck. They put their pants on one, one, one pants leg at a time. They wipe their butt the same way I do. So let's go out there and write some songs, you know. And that energy on stage back when you were doing the construction and playing at night, have you always brought that energy to the stage or is that something you've developed over time? Um, I developed it. I developed it because there is, I mean, like, and don't let humility, don't let that confidence uh, take the place of humility. I don't like the self, uh, self-deprecating thing of like, 
you can kind of see right through that bull crap of like somebody that's just being self-deprecating like but like being humble is important to me god humbled has humbled me many times throughout this process but like people out there getting inspiration and innovation from people and then pulling for them whether it be a a riley green or or any of the younger guys out there the uh you know laney wilson like i pull for those people uh genuinely like they are my friends and their their music is great and they have their own path and yes they're they're they've been able to come and do things that i desire to do and that i have done but at the same time it's very very important spiritually to stay in that line of this is my path this is what i'm gonna do and this is why because because i am i'm uniquely me and and that's not hard to do it's not hard to be yourself and uh I love that. I love that about all the stuff that I've been through. I think life, when you live through life and you live through struggles and you come through with the same attitude of, you know, a lot of people thought my optimism, I'm sure was like, man, he's just optimistic all the time. But then when you live through a stroke and teach yourself to walk again at 35, the authority becomes like, no, he can, he, he lived through that and he's still positive. Therefore he's, he's the proof's in the pudding baby like i'm i'm gonna do and i know that sounded cocky but like i'm gonna i'm gonna live up to what i preach and and this is you know this is what i've developed throughout the uh, throughout the years but it's hard it's really really hard because there are times when you just want to give up and there are times when record deals go south and you get dropped there's times when publishers don't pitch your songs there's times when you don't have any money there's times when you have a lot of money there's times when people you know take advantage of you there's times when people um give you the advantage and it's just it's staying steady through all that stuff because my my eyes are on the skies you know my eyes are above this world right and so 2019 let's talk about that and i know I just want to sort of let the listeners know you don't necessarily like talking about this just to as a pity story. Basically, you like to talk about this to inspire others, to show others what you have fought through and to show them that they can also fight through it. And so talk about 2019 and having a stroke on stage and what it took to fight through that. Yeah. So 2019 January I was I was working out really hard getting ready to start touring again and we were gonna you know get out there I had a new band had new new wind in the sails all kind of stuff was going on and so I was working out really hard got a headache landed me in an MRI machine that MRI showed a wad of veins and arteries in the back right side of my brain about the size of a lime called an AVM Uh, that stands for arterial venous malformation um, that water veins and arteries was something I was born with, and it was robbing my brain from adequate blood flow and, and causing these debilitating headaches. Um, my left hand would go numb on stage. My left foot would go numb. But the good news was that we were going to be able to embolize them, which is a fancy word for gluing it shut, embolize the, the lime-shaped water veins and arteries through a series of six to seven um, embolization surgeries, which in, required um a catheter up my femoral artery into the back of my brain and squeezing it full of glue well we were four surgeries in and five 
five, uh, probably 50 shows in and four surgeries in. And I felt really good. Over 75% of the, the, the uh, mass had been embolized. And I, we were on our way to Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, once I got out to, to Roanoke, Virginia, I took the stage like I always do. And about three songs in, I felt really dizzy. I felt weird. And my, my left leg felt like it had a 12-pound a bowling ball on it. Uh, and my left hand uh, started to feel like it was detached from my body. It, meaning like, like if you slept on your hand for 100 years, that's what it felt like. It was just like I couldn't control it. And about that time, I heard a pop, like somebody cracked some chewing gum in, the, in the, my right ear. And that ABM popped. And when it popped, I, everything went blurry and black. And uh, I was five minutes from a trauma one unit there in Roanoke, Virginia, where they saved my life and got it to quit bleeding. And they saved my left side. And it, it took about six months for that to come back and me to start just moving a little bit. But I, I lost, uh, I was paralyzed. My whole left side was paralyzed. And the doctors, you know, were just counting it a miracle that I was alive and counting it a miracle that I was, you know, that I was uh, breathing. Right. So that, then a 40 day, you know, like six months, 40 days I spent in the hospital. And I got back to Nashville and started my treatments. And these, uh, my, that's where I've been today. My, my rehab is still continued today, getting up there. And the show that you see today is one of redemptive qualities of me just going in three and four days a week. And if it's not the Peloton, it's the row machine. If it's not the row machine, it's hiking. If it's not hiking, it's, uh, electrotherapy, it's needling. It's, it's, uh, you know, trying to watch what I'm eating and drinking and all this stuff because of this music, I have uh, the purpose to get back to this music, but I, I'm improving every day, you know, and that was my mentality before, but now it's like, it's just magnified that, you know, I've got a purpose to get up there and this is part of my story, you know? And that purpose of music, when did that return after late 2019 and you're in the hospital, you have the rehab, did you lose that purpose of music for a bit? Was there a point where it came rushing back to you almost? No, um, I never lost it. It was August the 16th of 2019 is when the stroke happened. And I would say immediately when I came to, when I quit fighting for my life and realized that I was not going to die, I immediately uh, told my my wife to call my management and she was like what <laughs> this was like a month after i did because it took a month to get to be able to have the strength to look at my phone and i said call everybody up and tell them i've got a story to tell and tell them i'm i'm gonna be fine and i'm gonna get back to the stage and everybody's like whoa 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 man like you got a long way and every, you know all these people all my friends came and saw me and they're like oh you need to worry about all you need to worry about, I tell them I'm going to get back to the stage. Uh, you don't need to worry about that, Drake. All you need to worry about is getting back, you know, is, is your health. And that made me so mad, dude, I, because I, I don't do this because I don't do this because 
like it's just like a hobby you know i do i I have to i have to do this this is just like breathing basically like the stage the songwriting the creating music all that stuff like in artists know what i'm talking about musicians know what i'm talking about you you eat sleep and breathe it and so when i was it was immediate you know as soon as i could lift my head it was okay how are we going to make a story out of this and be an inspiration you know and be and be get back on stage and get back up there and, and do our thing and it was uh you know that's just my mentality and it has been since day one and right from the beginning when you started writing at that point was it a therapeutic thing or did that take some time for you to sort of realize how therapeutic it was becoming for you both you know uh writing a song is like solving a sudoku puzzle or a, a rubik's cube or not not as hard as a rubik's cube but it's like you know it's like solving a puzzle and so it was very very good for me to write write songs and it eventually all you know came back and i feel like now i'm writing uh, better stuff than i've ever written and but for a while there it was like very elemental on how much strenuous you know activity i could put on my brain uh to do it because it was healing and you know i needed 16 17 hours of sleep a day for a long time and now i just feel like there's some normality to my uh to my life mind you in the middle of all this my wife got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and became paralyzed from her waist down because of a autoimmune disorder um, oh wow in yeah in september so we're we got like, it's one thing for me to be down. It's one thing for her to be down. It's a whole other thing to be 35 years old and you both be down at the same time. You call mama real quick and you say, and you start praying. And whether you're religious or not, brothers and sisters, like, I, you start praying when you can't walk. When you, you start praying to whoever you think is up there calling the shots, you start screaming out for mercy. And my wife was just about as hard as, what I went through going through that with her because she was my rock. She was, she still is. And, and she made it through it and we got her diagnosed. Thanks. Thank, thanks to Vanderbilt and all that stuff. But the, the purpose of me telling you that and telling the people out there that is everybody's got their struggles and everybody's got their problems. And there are so many things. The human spirit is so resilient. It's so powerful when you sink into being the victor and not the victim. And that is cheesy. And I'm sorry I said that, but it is so true when you sink into, nope, I'm going to write about this and I'm going to, it's not about me. It's about the person out there listening to this. That's the, that's the power of all of this. Like you've heard how um, I'm probably too much for a lot of people like this, this Tony Robbins, like rah, 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 rah. Like, <laughs> it gets on a lot of people's nerves, but I don't care. This is who I am. It's I've, what I've been through is my story and telling you the Alex thing. It was like compounding interest of hurt and pain. And we made it through it and we made it through it relatively sane. We're pretty crazy, but we're not completely insane. You know? <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a good thing. And doing this for others. Let's talk about your newest single power of a woman. Now this is a song that has brought stories forward just like yours and the women out there who are powering through and overcoming challenges what has it been like 
to hear those stories and how this song is impacting others? Oh man. Well, it's been emotional. It's been life-giving. It's been healing. It's been nurturing. It's been to share somebody else's story is to give life because when you isolate yourself and, and think that, oh, I'm the only one that's lost my grandparents and my parents to COVID and I'm on the only one battling a, a heroin addiction and I'm the only one that's lost a kid because of suicide. I'm the only one that like, there's some pretty difficult stuff out there, you know, but when you open up and you tell your story, I tell, I have a place in my, in my set. It's like a light, one light goes off and then two lights go off and, and then you start shining lights into the darkness and the devil can't live in the darkness. When you expose the evil, when you expose all the, the thoughts of desperation, then victory is yours. You know, it's daylight, man. It's summertime at the beach and you're laying out. It smells like coconuts and margaritas. Like, and that's, that's a choice that, that, that I took, that Alex took. This is the way we're going to live. And this is the way, this is the way we're going to come out of this victoriously. And I'll tell you right now, we're, we, we've been trying to have kids for a while now and we've got people praying for, you know, we want to have kids. And I know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, uh, that's a problem. And, and our story continues on because that problem is, uh, is universal. There's a lot of people that battle with that problem. So we're going to share that story as well. And so over this time of facing these challenges, was there ever a time where you lost your smile, where you just lost it all? You lost the drive completely? Absolutely. Man, so many times. I mean, that's what that's that's the reality of this. Like some of the pictures and some of the videos, like I would just, you know, I would get mean and uh, say quit quit video on it like it, it was too it's too hard it's too hard like i i i just want to give up i just want to stop like when you're when you can't walk and you can't bathe and you can't use the restroom and 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 wipe correctly like that gets really tough and you know there's so many times that's why when i was weak Alex was strong. When I was weak, he was strong. You know, I am weak, but he is strong. That that's a childhood song, but it's like, it's something that was like, I would daily for a while, I would crash and, and just be like, well, this is it. I'm never going to hold my kids. I'm never going to hike through the, the woods of Northeast Alabama and chase whitetail and, and, and ducks anymore like this is it and alex would snatch me up and she'd say do not talk like that you talk like this you talk i am gonna see the the, the dawn of a brand new day i am gonna help people i am gonna write songs i am gonna get back on stage i am gonna hunt deer i am gonna hold my future uh kid above my head i am gonna play catch with them and we would do that in the mirror man every day you know we did it and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the stuff movies are made of because it is a movie. It's your movie. And it's like, that's, that's stuff that we did every day. And I had to do it because 
I was fighting a battle of literally life and death of like, do I want to keep going on? That is awesome. And you have done it. You have made it through. You are doing what you love. And now what does the future look like? Where does the new music, where is that taking us? Oh, this is my favorite part. You know, for us, we've documented, you know, I've, I've got a great friend that is my, uh, that is my uh, creative coordinator. And uh, it's just a fancy word for a guy with a, with a camera and just a very talented dude that has been following me since, I took those first steps. So everything from books to documentaries, um, the touring, um, the story, my goal is to, is to share this story with everybody of, of redemptive quality of, of victory, of, of pushing through and how paralysis helped me find my true 100%, how paralysis and being paralyzed helped me, move better than I ever moved before in my life, you know, and how, how it, movement is more than just moving your legs, movement in creativity, movement in songwriting, movement in passion for my marriage, movement in, um, in intellectual, uh, improvement in that rhyme too. And I didn't <laughs> mean for that. The, the tour is just a, the, the live shows, like they've just taken another level. So we're, we're going to tour hard in 2022 and in 2021. I mean, we're just getting through with a, a tour right now, about to go out with our buddies, Whiskey Myers. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to write a book out of this. And after the book, I'm going to, uh, you know, keep encouraging people to keep pushing. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Drake for stopping by and sharing his hugely emotional and inspirational journey. Be sure to check out all of his new music wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. And please join us every week for new and exciting episodes with your favorite country artists. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm-hmm.